means the ministry is interfering at Hogwarts. You're not going mad. You're just as sane as I am. I must not tell lies. You seem to be laboring under the delusion that I'm going to... What was the phrase? Come quietly. Hey everyone, welcome to Hogwarts, a podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hogwarts, a podcast. We are talking about chapter 15, the Hogwarts High Inquisitor. Nobody expect a Hogwarts High Inquisitor. No, no one did. And if you can tell by that voice, we have a brand new guest on the podcast this week. My friend Marty is back. Hello. Marty and I have known each other for a very, very long time. Since, since what? We were like five, so that's like 30 years. Oh, yeah, that's a long time. <laughs> very long time. <laughs> that is a very long time, and I'm glad we finally get... He does not live... We're based in Illinois. Obviously, you have moved out of the state, mm-hmm. so uh, this is the first time we've really been able to make it work that you've been on the podcast, and I'm glad we were able to fit you in. You're reading Harry Potter to your kids now, right? Yes, so uh, I happened to find that the uh, the illustrated versions were were on sale and they were like 40 to 50 percent off so i jumped on that because i was like you know i might not see this again for a while so i did that i get the the illustrated ones and it's it seems to be all right for for toddlers because they got you know all these beautiful pictures Mm -hmm. so that's cool uh, me and my son he's three now we're almost done with the the first book so right now we're at the the mirror of ursaid very cool very cool is he enjoying it so far he seems to be. He keeps grabbing like brooms and running around the house saying he's Harry Potter and he's going to play Quidditch. You sent me that video where he says Quidditch and Golden Snitch, and it's the most adorable video I think I've ever seen. <laughs> it is super adorable. So uh, what what's your kind of background with Harry Potter? What, like, uh, what house do you kind of identify with? I identify with, uh, I think, Gryffindor. You know, sometimes I thought maybe Ravenclaw. But sometimes, like, I feel like if I see something that's wrong, even if, if it's not a good idea to speak up, I just feel like I have to speak up. And uh, in this chapter, we'll talk about another Gryffindor who <laughs> seems to have that same problem. So maybe, you know, maybe I shouldn't do that. But, you know, sometimes I just feel like I can't, you know, keep it to myself. <laughs> I wonder who you're talking about when you say that. Um, yeah. We've we've had a lot of discussions about a certain uh, Gryffindor student who can't seem to close his mouth. <laughs> but we'll get to some of uh, Marty's other thoughts on the series and stuff like that in the spoiler section. But this chapter, this chapter kind of revolves around them reading the Prophet in the morning and getting some information on some educational reform in the Wizarding world. We get some owl grades, OWL grades, which we'll get into. We'll get the actual inspections of the teachers. Specifically, we get Flitwick, Trelawney, McGonagall, and uh, Grebly Plank. So we'll kind of get into those. Uh, Marty also has a little bit of a teaching background himself, so I'm sure he's got some interesting opinions on Yeah, I mean, we, did, we had teacher evaluations as well, but, I mean, those were like evaluations for room for improvement. This... This is a little bit more like sabotage. <laughs> Setting you up to fail kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So these educational decrees that we get in the profit, we hear about educational decree number 22 and 23. 
Educational Decree number 22 basically states that if the headmaster can't fill a position, then the Ministry of Magic will find a suitable person for that role. We get an interesting interview, I guess, that the Ministry of Magic does, and it's Percy Weasley giving all of this information. And the, 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 the least likable Weasley. Yeah, well, especially recently. And, My and goodness. it's like, I don't know, you grow up with Thomas Tank Engine, and Percy seems like an all right dude, <laughs> and then you get the Harry Potter Percy, and you're like, uh... yeah, you start off with a very favorable opinion of people named Percy, and then just goes <laughs> off, off the rails. Hey, yeah, off the rails. Hey, there we go. Wow, I did not expect a Thomas the Tank Engine reference, but there you go. <laughs> Yeah, so he's he's doing this interview with the ministry, and he states that parents are becoming more concerned with the substandard uh, education at Hogwarts, and they think it's kind of going a little bit downhill. Do you think they're actually concerned, or do you think this is a Ministry of Magic uh, fluff piece, that they're kind of making a problem where there isn't one? Or do you think it's legit? Parents are starting to wonder a little bit. You're always going to have some people who are just, you know, haters or <laughs> yeah, some people who just think, you know, everything going to, you know, falling apart. And I think the majority of it is probably being pushed by the Ministry of Magic because, you know, they're, they're the ones that are, you know, trying to get all these daily profit articles out, mm -hmm. you know, Basically, just smearing Harry Potter's name all the time and right. Dumbledore. So they have an agenda. They're doing the propaganda piece. Mm -hmm. People are buying into that, and then they're saying, "Hey, I'm concerned." It's like, I wonder why. Probably because you've been, you know, feeding all these thoughts into people's heads. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely where a lot of it comes from. I'm, I'm sure there are some parents that maybe didn't have the best time at Hogwarts that are like, you know, this is right. Dumbledore should kind of be. Yeah, observed a little bit more or whatever, but that's probably a very minuscule amount of people. I mean, we see like Seamus's mother was upset with how Hogwarts was being run, but that mm -hmm. seemed to be a direct result of what the ministry was yeah. pushing in the profit. You're, you're never going to please all the people all the time, so you're, somebody's always, you know, somebody out there might see you as the bad guy. I can't remember which book it was in off the top of my head, but I think Dumbledore does speak to at some point. Uh, that he gets letters with yeah. complaints and with suggestions and he just kind of like all right yeah i'm you know a nutter or whatever and he just kind of shrugs that off and you can you kind of have to yeah. when you're in a leadership position no leader with like a hundred percent approval all the time <laughs> yeah i think that's a that's a good point is that you're not going to please everyone all the time but there's a difference in like pleasing everyone all the time and being like whatever this is <laughs> like yeah this this is kind of a target campaign it seems like um that's kind of led i guess from the parents perspective by uh one lucius malfoy who also yeah. does an interview for this profit article uh and he's he presents himself as quote unquote a concerned parent yeah <laughs> so but let me pose this do does he have a point that Albus should be subjected to fair and objective evaluation? Well, as teachers and, you know, in any role, we, we all have, like, performance reviews and stuff, mm -hmm. and we have, uh, you know, teacher evaluations and stuff, but fair and objective by by who? By Lucius Malfoy? Because, you know, this seems to be... <laughs> you're, you're starting out with, a, you know, the, with somebody who already kind of made up their mind. 
Well, that, and he already tried to oust you as a he member of the school board. He already tried to oust them, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, fair and objective by, like, a neutral group of people, maybe, but, you know, fair and objective by Lucius Malfoy, he's, I, he already has, he already made up his mind a long time ago. No, I, I agree completely. I think it's actually fair to uh, subject Albus to some objective evaluation, but you're 100% right. It's, who is this by? We have gotten some mention of a school board before in Chamber of Secrets, and that's when Lucius blackmailed them all <laughs> to oust Albus. But other than that, we really haven't heard of the school board very much. And I mean, what wizard is really going to be like, yeah, let's get rid of Albus Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. No one's going to really feel like they're in a position to oust the great Albus Dumbledore. Yeah. So, I mean, he might be a larger-than-life figure that you feel unable to actually oust on your own. So, yeah. I, I don't know. It's kind of a two-way street, because it's like the Ministry is imposing its will on on Hogwarts and Albus, but Albus, directly or indirectly, is like, I'm Albus Dumbledore. What are you going to do? He's a popular guy. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, it's, it's an interesting back and forth. But uh, the, the Prophet then goes on to question the hires of Remus Lupin and Hagrid and Moody. And it's funny because, you know, a lot of them felt like Lupin was the best teacher they had for I Defense so. of Dark Arts. And for I mean, sure. by far. Yeah. He, you, you had Moody, who was, you know, he wasn't even, actually Moody. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't even Moody. That They don't you even mention here. Quirrell, who was, you know, literally, you know, the Dark Lord stuck to the back of his head. And I don't even know, like, we didn't even see much of Quirrell's class. We don't even know much of what he's even teaching. He just acted like he was scared all the time, and yeah. it turned out to be, you know, half half Voldemort. Well, they mention, speaking of half anything, they go out of their way to mention that Lupin and Hagrid were half-breeds, which yeah. I feel like is an interesting thing to put in a national publication where it's like you're specifically targeting... And targeting somebody's, you know background yeah and and putting it all on front street and for everybody to read and make their own make their own judgments but it's clearly le- clearly hints of like fascism there where they're you know mm-hmm. looking at somebody's you know background that they have no control over and saying oh you can't trust this kind of people and well i mean it's, and they do it multiple times because they go on to mention like oh Wizengamot elders Griselda Marchbanks and Tiberius Ogden they have resigned in protest of this decision to kind of impede Hogwarts and then immediately following that what you're thinking oh maybe the prophet will do a little like actually boost Dumbledore a little bit they discredit it immediately by Saying, oh yeah, Griselda Marchbanks, supporting Dumbledore. Also, turn to page five to read more about her dealings with goblins. And yeah, stuff like, like, they so immediately... it's like if you're friendly to goblins or you're friendly with, you know, whoever they think is not pure enough, you know, they don't, they go after people's backgrounds and they look for the people who are like the most, to them, the most, you know, pure or whatever. And then not only that, they also go after the people who you who are friendly to people who are not who they they see as the uh, you know the perfect, and and it's, it's terrible because it's like the best people are like the half werewolf people and the uh, half giant people, you know Hagrid, Hagrid, uh, you know Dumbledore would trust Hagrid with his life it seems like, and mm-hmm. then uh, 
Lupin, Lupin is just an uh, outstanding guy. He just happened to be a werewolf. What's wrong with the goblins? I mean... <laughs> well, and it's one of those things where the ministry, when we see Harry get to the, the ministry for his hearing, and you see the witch and wizard standing so high, and then the goblin and the centaur and the, the house elf just so much lower. So lower, yeah. And it definitely sets this image of we got to keep the witch and wizard in their positions, even though these other beings that inhabit the same wizarding world are sentient, they're capable, they're, they're intelligent. Th yeah, they're fully capable of I mean, offering opinions. Yeah. I mean, keeping track of all that money and Gringotts, I mean. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's just using hatred to push an agenda. Mm-hmm. It was an interesting profit, let's just say that, to start the morning. There's a lot going on in that article. Um, moving on, we get some information on some OWL grades. Uh, they're basically, really quickly, O for outstanding, E for exceeds expectations, A for acceptable. Those are the three passing grades. I was thinking that it was going to be like OWL would be the passing grade, but then it goes like OA, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Because <laughs> at first I was, you think like A is like the best, but no, O is the best. And then you're thinking, oh, then it, maybe it's O-W-L, but then it, it didn't turn out that way. Yeah, this is a, a kind of a weird way of going about doing it. So yeah, they get the outstanding exceeds expectations and acceptable. But then you get poor and dreadful as the two failing grades. And then they're like, troll's probably the worst. Wait, is that a thing? We're not sure, but yeah. maybe. 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 But I like Who what... Who knows, uh, because considered a source. Was it... It was one of the Weasley twins. I can't remember which one. Yeah, Fred and George were kind of inputting their, their wisdom on these OWL grades. Because they just But, I mean, through. they're practical jokers, so you never... <laughs> you never know. You never know. Well, and I love George, George specifically had the joke about how he, they should have gotten exceeds expectations for all of their OWLs because just showing up was exceeding their expectations. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, and I, it was true. just like, that was a great joke. Solid line. They mentioned that they were sitting in Flitwick's class when Umbridge was doing her first inspection. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they obviously asked how it was going. And Fred and George were like, yeah, you know, Flitwick's good. He always gets people through the OWL exams. He knows what he's doing. He engages with the students. Everybody likes him. Mm -hmm. So they're like, it seemed to go well. There seemed to be no issues. So Flitwick seems to have passed fairly well from their account. Flitwick was is the one that's played by Warwick Davis in the movie. Correct. Right? Yeah. 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 He's he's a cool guy. Yeah, I always like his his bit. I'm a big Flitwick guy, so I'm I'm a Ravenclaw guy, and uh, you know he's he's my dude. He's my head of house, so it's just I always have a soft spot for Flitwick. But you know who else is a Ravenclaw who did not get reviewed seemingly very well? Trelawney. Yeah. Uh, Trelawney's class was interesting. She continues her dream interpretation class, which I actually feel is a fairly decent class as far as divination goes. But she's obviously quite stressed as Umbridge is like following her around, looking over her shoulder, asking her questions. We find out she started 16 years ago, nearly 16 years ago. And Umbridge ends up just wanting a prediction on command. Mm -hmm. Trelawney starts to defend herself and being like, that's not how divination works. It's mm -hmm. not how the art of seeing works. But eventually she backs off and buckled. Uh, essentially, Trelawney buckles in the end and tries to make a prediction, which never goes well. 
No, I mean, I used to coach debate and I would tell people, you know, if you don't know the answer to something, don't don't ever make something up because you'll get called out on it if somebody has better information than you. You know, if you get asked a question or something, say, I don't have an answer to that, but my staff will get back to you. <laughs> and uh, that that goes over better because, you know, if you say something and it turns out to be wrong, then, you, you know, you're going to get dragged through the mud. So, right. you know. I, no, I, I wish Trelawney had stick to her guns and told her, like, no, that's not how this works. Mm-hmm. Period. And I think that would have, I honestly think that would have gone over better because I think once she buckled, Umbridge saw weakness mm-hmm. and she went to attack it even further. Yeah. Trelawney should have stuck with the whole thing where Umbridge doesn't really know how the process works. Exactly. Yeah. I think she should have just stuck there and we see in a little bit how another teacher takes that more aggressive take (laughs) with Umbridge and how it works out. We go to uh, Defense Against the Dark Arts, class taught by Umbridge, where we find out that Hermione has actually read the entire book already, uh, which Mm -hmm. really undercuts Umbridge's whole teaching plan, because her teaching plan seems to just be sit quietly and read the book. Mm -hmm. And that's her class. (laughs) So... At least Trelawney was up engaging with students, going from table to table, right. and like talking with them about stuff. And it seems like Umbridge kind of doesn't want them to learn defense against the dark arts. Very much against it. Yeah. So it's like almost like she's trying to impede their education on purpose. Well, she's begrudgingly impressed that Hermione's read the entire book, yet still takes five points from Gryffindor. And then I love how Umbridge is trying to talk to Hermione very quietly and Hermione's responding in full voice, (laughs) like just making everybody aware. Umbridge does note, you spoke about Quirrell uh, earlier. She says that Quirrell is the only Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher that they've had that would pass her inspection. And he was evil. So (laughs) it kind of makes you wonder about, you know, Umbridge. Is she a Death Eater? Is she evil? Is she working for Voldemort? Especially like with earlier where Harry felt the the pain in his scar. Exactly. And, and then, then, you know, what kind of a teacher, you know, mutilates their student? All valid points. Yeah. <laughs> it's concerning. She should be in, she should be in Azkaban. Right? For, I mean, I always wonder, like, does is Fudge fully aware of what she's doing? But maybe he is... I mean... I, I haven't read further. You've read further than me, so I don't know. But maybe Fudge is, uh, knows exactly what she's doing and wants her to be doing that. I like that. I I think, I don't know. I get the impression that Fudge is just ignorant. <laughs> and he's oblivious to what, like, I don't think he knows about I must That's not true. tell lies. I think he has directed her to evaluate these teachers in a certain way. Uh, I think he has done that. So yeah. I think he's fully aware of that. I don't think he's knowing of the I must not tell lies etched into you know, yeah, Harry's I mean, hand. That's, uh, that's child abuse, literally. Harry, like you said, uh, I mentioned Quirrell. You're like, he was evil. Well, that's what Harry just jumped in and said. Yeah. And gets another round of detentions. Maybe it's because I'm older now, but I don't know if I would have just jumped in and said that like Harry. Maybe I would have like, you know, tried to gather documentation on Umbridge to, and then report her. Well, I no, I think you're right. I think I think the earlier the earlier kind of explosion that he had in her classroom I think is a little bit more valid because he was taken by surprise of yeah. what she's exactly trying to do. That's valid. This one I think, man, 
You didn't have to do this. You, you could have stayed silent. You, you could have stayed silent and take notes and this, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you could have, yeah, gathered some information and presented it to someone at some point, although he seems resolute not to go to McGonagall or Or Alice. Dumbledore. Yeah. I mean, Dumbledore is like the no-brainer. I'm sure Dumbledore would want to know if his students are being tortured. I'm sure he would. The problem there is Albus and Harry's relationship right now is strained at best because Albus won't even look at him. Harry feels like he can't go to him as an outlet, even though he should. He definitely should. Yeah, I mean, I've experienced... I had one of my uncles as a teacher once, and then he would definitely, you know, he would grade me harder than all my peers just to make sure there wouldn't, like, show no favoritism there and to push me harder. So it's like... To me, I would have like, thought it was something like that. Like, Dumbledore likes him. He just knows he can't show it. Mm, yeah, I like that. That's an interesting time take on it. The relationship between Harry and Dumbledore is so strained right now. But him and McGonagall... McGonagall just had a moment with Harry about... Hey, be smarter. She's trying to, like, get to you. This is mm-hmm. bigger than just... A defense against the dark arts grade like she's trying to paint a picture exactly of and and that's something that's something that we didn't debate and that was like a strategy to use you know try and get under people's skin so that they lose their cool and then they're like oh my opponent is you know a loony their credibility is damaged and i mean they could have very well points like very valid points but because you got under their skin mm-hmm. or they got under your skin you're damaging yourself by, you know, taking the bait. You don't want to take the bait. And, well, and we've already seen the prophet doing that over the summer. Yeah. Of like, hey, Harry Potter's an attention-seeking. Well, if you know that, Umbridge is just going to try to make that known to his students, his fellow students, his staff, and whoever else she could possibly tell. Like, see? He's uncontrollable. He's crazy. Yeah. He's, you know, all of this stuff. You gotta, You just got to blow it off. I rem- when I did debate, I would remember people would be like slamming doors and <laughs> making noises while I spoke. And, you know, you just got to keep going. Like, it doesn't bother you. And when McGonagall finds out about his another round of detention, she's like, Potter, what? we just had a conversation about this. Yeah. So she takes five points from him for just being an idiot. <laughs> and it was like, you ignored me completely. The mm-hmm. advice that I was offering to you, completely ignored it. So I, I don't understand why he doesn't feel like he can go to McGonagall just because she seems sympathetic to his cause. And he, she's well aware of the cause because she's in the order. Mm-hmm. So it's like, why can't she go to her? But anyway, totally fair for McGonagall to take those points because he's just an idiot. <laughs> but uh, we get McGonagall's class, actually, and Umbridge is present for that. So we get some... Uh, Typical Umbridge interruptions at the beginning with her little hem-hems. And... <laughs> yeah. McGonagall just shuts them down with these sharp, cutting responses of like, are you here to actually watch me teach? Then maybe I should teach. And I don't usually let people talk while I'm teaching, so can you please just sit down and be she quiet? She handled it perfectly, I thought. I think so, too. That, that's how you deal with a situation like that. And, I mean, she is 39 years into the gig. Yeah. That's I a mean, significant amount of time. What are you, you going to do? Fire her? She's going to retire. Gonna... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's that, too. I, I would retire to Scotland. I love Scotland. 
a shout out to those people listening from Scott. You, so you see the differences in how McGonagall and Trelawney treated this situation. Uh, McGonagall was... McGonagall could charge. Firm, confident, and unwavering. And Trelawney started that way and then took a left turn and buckled. So it's like, it, to me, it's like almost like an inexperienced debater who tried to make something up to, you know, answer the question to sound good and then get torn exactly. up to pieces because... Mm-hmm. They made something up and they get called out on it. Where McGonagall is like somebody who's experienced, is very confident, takes take charge, doesn't get pushed around. I think part of it is McGonagall's obviously, she's been doing this for a long time. So I think teaching is her calling. I think she was born to be a teacher. So she's confident in this setting. I don't know that Trelawney ever really set out to be a teacher at the beginning. I think yeah. she set out to be a great seer. Yeah. Clearly did not happen, and she's now in this role of teaching. I don't think she's as confident. I think her insecurities are kind of overwhelming her, you know, her abilities right yeah. now to kind of deal with this challenge to her teaching career. So it, it's just two different versions of it. But uh, I still think both of them are uh, leaps and bounds better teachers than actually Umbridge herself. So I don't get it. Does Umbridge even have any teaching experience? None. None whatsoever. That's what I thought. She's just, you know, some... Hence the sit down, be quiet, and read. Yeah, she's like a political appointee that became a teacher. was just put there. Uh, We get one more class. We get Care of Magical Creatures with Grubbly Plank. And Grubbly Plank immediately annoys Umbridge because Umbridge asks her, like, hey, as an outsider who's objective... What do you think of Albus and the school? And Grubbly Plank is like, I've always liked Albus, yeah. and the school's always treated me very well, so I'm happy with it. <laughs> right? And Umbridge is like, you've got to be kidding. Uh, not the answer she was looking for. Grubbly Plank is just a substitute teacher. I mean, she doesn't <laughs> have to worry about her ten- tenure exactly. or anything like that. Yeah. No, she has, she has nothing to lose here, so she's like, whatever. Umbridge ends up going around, talking to the students, asking them questions about care magical creatures, which Harry is pleased that most of the students are answering well. So that's a positive for Hagrid. Until she gets to Malfoy, who, and, and this is another case where Harry's just got to eat his words because it's Malfoy in Hagrid's class with Umbridge there. You know he's going to say something. You mm-hmm. know he's going to try to antagonize you or try to bring down Hagrid. You know it's going to happen. But as Malfoy's retelling the tale of him being attacked by a hippogriff in year three, uh, Harry uh, just gets involved in that conversation. I mean, you would have thought Harry would have learned by now that... You got to see that coming. He think... should have expected it. Maybe he's a glutton for punishment. <laughs> I guess maybe. He's just continues. But now it's like Angelina Johnson is like, dude, what are you doing? Like, you're ruining all of my Quidditch practices. Right? Can you just shut up one time (laughs) like there's bigger things here and he's getting all of these people being like dude you know they're getting under your skin you know they're trying to get you yeah and he's taking the bait every time every time very frustrating so we get to the end of this chapter and hermione suggests an interesting idea of harry starting to teach defense against the dark arts to an exclusive group of students which harry angrily responds to and Harry says that, um, look, you guys don't understand. Every time I've done this, I've gotten a lot of help. There's been a lot of luck involved. Like, it's not me, necessarily. Mm-hmm. 
and Hermione is like, yeah, but you've actually been in those situations. Yeah, we have different. So tell us how you there, how you got out. There's a difference between you know learning something in a class and then applying it, you know, on a job. Yeah, and being in the situation. I mean, that's the whole thing about Defense Against the Dark Arts right now is Umbridge is like, oh no, theory will take you everywhere, and I think. Um, you know, Molly and I have, have had that discussion about that's not how that works. You need to practice and repetition and over mm-hmm. and over and over again to get really good at it. So, like, you read a book about baseball. Okay, I'm ready to go play in the major. Yeah, league. I can go hit Shohei Otani. Yeah. No, no, you can't. Maybe get, they could go play for the White Sox. We're not <laughs> doing too well. That's a very good point. Sad, sad times. Sad times. But, no, I think Hermione's got a great point about, yeah. It might not have been all you, but you've been there at least, and you could tell us what it's like to be in those positions. Um, it's an interesting back and forth. Harry mentions at one point that he can't even remember standing up like while he was angry. He like blacked out and can't even remember him getting up in his anger, which I think is an interesting kind of mm-hmm. comment. But I don't know. What do you think? Do you think Harry would be a good defense against so. Archie? I mean, other than Lupin, like, he's probably the best... Lupin or like Dumbledore, he's probably the best option they have on the table right now. Or McGonagall. I think McGonagall could be good at it. I think Flitwick or could be ser- good at it. serious, but I mean, he, he can't come <laughs> around. He kind of kind of lay low. Convicted murder coming in probably doesn't oh, do well for... I'd probably go nuts being stuck in a house with that crazy elf. <laughs> I mean, so he's essentially going from prison. Stuck I'm... in a house with a crazy elf who's into... Bigotry and conspiracy theories. And with a portrait of your mother that if you're too loud, she just screams at you. Obscenities yeah. and Not insults. happy memories of your mother. It's just... <laughs> and it's, it's, it might even be worse because you're just, you're so close to freedom, but you're, you're not. Yeah. Like, you could just walk out the door, except you, you can't. Mm-hmm. So it, it's tough for him, but... I don't know. We've seen that frustration peeking through, too, with, with Sirius. But, yeah. Do you have any other thoughts on the chapter from the non-spoiler point of view? I thought it was an interesting chapter. It's a very irritating chapter because of what's going on. Uh, you know, nobody expected the Hogwarts High Inquisitor and then here. She has all this power from the Ministry, and it's obvious what she's doing. And it's, the teachers are seemingly like powerless to do anything about it. And Harry, Harry won't stop talking, and he keeps getting himself into trouble, getting detention. When I mean, he could be keeping quiet and just gathering information on the detention that he received, where he was basically tortured, mm-hmm. and that alone would probably, I would hope, cause some sort of investigation into Umbridge and her teaching methods. What do you think Fudge would do if he was presented with that info? Well, it wouldn't look good politically if you have <laughs> members I mean, of the ministry going out and torturing kids. You so have the that's... proof. You have the scarring on his hand. Yeah. You could probably find the quill in her office. I would think from like a politician point of view, that wouldn't be a... It wouldn't look good if you have people that your appointees torturing children. It's, it's always amazing to me how like Voldy has been around now for less than six months and he hasn't even like really revealed himself 
and he's already caused such divide mm-hmm. in the Wizarding World. Like, just his existence yeah. has split the Wizarding World. And some people are denying it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he's almost already won, and he hasn't even done anything yet. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's crazy that just his presence alone can cause such division, which is exactly what he wants. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. It's, it's impressive. All right, uh, we will pause it here, and we will get back to a spoiler section that'll be a little different, but we'll get a little bit more on Marty's background with Harry Potter and some of his thoughts on the other books. So we'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. So we are back with the spoiler section of Chapter 15, the Hogwarts High Inquisitor. And uh, so if... Um, you you said at the beginning in the non-spoiler that you kind of identified as more of a Gryffindor uh, for some of the same reasons that uh, Harry could not keep his mouth shut. The idea of injustice was a, a little infuriating, to say the least. And you look at, you know, uh, Hermione, she, she's an organizing spew. <laughs> yeah. You know, Gryffindors, you know... They they have a lot of other traits that could fit in other houses, but it seems like you know what really gets them really upset is when they see something that's not right. For sure, I, I you know we've one of the things I'm proud about this podcast uh, is, is regarding the houses, and we've had discussions about like let's be real, every person has aspects of every of one yeah. of the houses. Everybody's a little ambitious. Everybody's a little. You know, has their loyalties, has their hardworking, has their bravery, has the, you know, everybody has something yeah. of all of the houses. So it's a little amalgamation of all of the above. I've always loved Ravenclaw. I've, I like thought. I like to kind of delve into thoughts and try to understand why something is the way it is. I also try to argue something from both sides. You were talking about debate. I like to do that too. That's why I thought maybe maybe Ravenclaw. Yeah, and, and and that's fine. You can be like a little Gryffindor-Ravenclaw combo. <laughs> like I could be Ravenclaw-Hufflepuff combo. Like, um, um, like a Italian sausage, Italian beef combo. I mean, you can't beat that. You know, sometimes a combo is a really amazing thing. Very Chicago-centric. With, <laughs> with the, yeah, no, I, I think uh, that's kind of where I got the Ravenclaw background from. Is I, I like thinking of something from every perspective and considering all of that before I actually like act or speak out on it. So in Harry's, in this circumstance, if I was Harry, I would not blurt out everything. I would take it in, absorb it, think about it and form a, form a plan to go with. That's probably what I would do too. Yeah. So yeah, a little, little different process, but um, yeah. So, so what got you kind of into Harry Potter and what, kind of has kept you coming back what what kept you coming back to to read this was it just the sale at at the illustrated books so i got into harry potter because i think it was probably about 10 years old probably like 1997 1998 
and my grandmother approaches me and she said, you know, I have read a review of this book in the newspaper and I want you to read it to see if it's any good. And she's like, it's called Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. And at the time, nobody knew who it was. Mm -hmm. It's like, she's by this, she said, told me it was by a new author named J.K. Rowling. And, you know, at the time, nobody knew who J.K. Rowling <laughs> was. Mm -hmm. And I read the book and I was told her, you know, you know, Grandma, it's pretty good. And uh, this was before, you know, it was like a big thing before it kind of blew up. And she decided that she was going to buy the book for, you know, my other cousins, my cousin Kate and my cousin Trees. And then after, and then I, she would buy the books for me. And then after we would read it, we would pass them down from one younger sibling to the next That's younger awesome. sibling. Yeah. So we would, by the end of it, you know, we all read Harry Potter. My grandmother read Harry Potter. She loved it. That's cool. And uh, my, my cousin... Kate, who is, uh, I love dearly, and she, she passed on recently. One of my, uh, one of the memories that really make me smile was, and this is a, a don't try this at home story. Um, when she lived in, uh, rural Texas in the Harrow country, and I don't, I couldn't even tell you where her neighbors were. So <laughs> it was, it was that rural. So we were away from like, you know, population and stuff like that. But on 4th of July, we took, uh, and again, this is a don't try this at home story. We took Roman candles and we would point them like once and we would shout like, Expecto Patronum! And, <laughs> you know, shoot fireballs across the... <laughs> yeah, reiterating, do not try that at home. Yeah. But I, I don't know a person that has loved Harry Potter... That hasn't at least taken like a sparkler. Yeah, at least a sparkler, yeah. And used it as a wand at some point. So, I mean. But, yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. Um, but, again, don't try that at home. I wanted to get my children into Harry Potter, especially because it gives me good memories of my grandmother. I just saw her this morning, and we talked about Harry Potter. So, that was a lot of fun. And I wanted to get my kids into it, and, and my, my son, as you mentioned before... <laughs> I sent you videos where you'd walk running around. Unbelievably a, adorable. Running around on a broom, you know, saying, play Quidditch, play Quidditch. <laughs> have, have they seen any of the movies? The original, like... Uh... Yeah, so we watched the first movie. And then I think they watched part... My, well, my oldest son watched the first movie and then part of the second movie and my younger son i think is a little bit too young to fair enough follow it was he actually like engaged with it or was he like flitting in and out of paying attention did it kind of in and out of paying attention yeah, but right. he's young you know there's like a video on youtube that we found where it's like it's like a two minute timer for brushing your teeth and it has like clips from harry potter and then oh, by the time cool. for my son to brush his teeth sometimes he'll be like harry potter brush brush my your teeth harry potter brush your teeth so we'll put on the two-minute Harry Potter brush your teeth video. and <laughs> I didn't even know that existed. That's awesome. Yeah. The internet is a fun place sometimes. 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 Sometimes it's a scary place. Sometimes <laughs> so, it's a, sometimes a weird place. Sometimes it's a... That's cool, though. I'm, I'm, it's a cool thing, like, how you said your family was kind of passing down the books to younger siblings, and now you're kind of doing that with your kid, is kind of passing that on to a mm -hmm. younger generation. That's cool, man. 
Yeah, that's a cool vibe. And, you know, I have the same memories with, uh, you know, my grandma too, is we would go down to Florida and I would be literally reading Prisoner of Azkaban on a beach in Florida with her. And, you know, it's one of the memories that I have. So it's, that's cool that it's kind of those kind of memories, just reading a book. Right. It's a good book for kids to read because it's, you know, about, you know, standing up for what's right, you know, Mm -hmm. making friends, you know. Befriending the the weirdo or the outcast. You know, we get Luna here uh, in this book that's a little bit of a weirdo, a little bit of an odd kid. But just because they're odd doesn't mean that they don't, they they can't fit in or they can't be part of a group of friends. and the half giant and he's one of the most wholesome characters have, out have there and neville, yeah neville i think is a big uh you know a big story of the underdog coming through the the downtrodden that and you know that yeah you you see those levels he's, he's, of neville's really kind of like the fourth musketeer oh for sure yeah absolutely and you, you know you see him in the in the carriage in this book as they're going to Hogwarts in the train and he's becoming that part of, like you said, the fourth musketeer of like Harry, Ron, Hermione and Neville. And Neville. And uh, and you've seen his bravery grow and grow and grow through the first several books of, no, it's there. Yeah. He's got some bravery there. He's, he's a Gryffindor for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think, you know, that's one of the themes in Harry Potter that I, anything from the earlier books kind of pop out. Goblet of Fire, that was a good one. What did you like about Goblet of Fire? Just the whole, like, I think maybe the competitiveness mm. and then the games and, you know, the ceremonies. They had, you know, uh, Quidditch World Cup and Ireland won, so that, that was really great. <laughs> you like the leprechaun depiction? The leprechaun dancing. You know, I was kind of curious when I was, like, I was, like, rereading that, and I was, like, reading about leprechauns like in Irish folklore and like leprechauns kind of, it seems like they kind of showed up like only a few hundred years ago in Irish folklore. Hmm. And, and they were probably like based off of like, you know, earlier depictions of like fairies and stuff. And then the fairies were based off of like ancient Celtic mythology with the, I think, I'm sorry, uh, Gaelic speakers, if I'm pronouncing it wrong, but the Tuatha de Danann. Who are like this, these mystical race race of people, and they, they I guess they like arrived on like a sh- like a ship from the sky, and they had all these powers, different powers that they can do, and they were like craziness. Yeah, and then Christianity came along, and then they kind of, it seems like over time, the Tuatha de Danann, these just like mystical race of people, ma- like magical race of people, were kind of change with the christian christianity coming in to kind of change them into like these fairy fairy folk type people and then over time it became leprechauns leprechaun interesting but i mean i would recommend reading about the tuatha de dan and it's like pretty pretty it's almost like science fiction from like four thousand years ago these people you know they're super powerful they can do all these crazy things so you're like ah, quidditch world cup leprechauns we are I'm in. <laughs> like I am sold. That was cool. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm Irish, so I thought you know, cool. Quidditch World Cup. Uh, they won that, and uh, I'm hoping Ireland wins the Rugby World Cup this year. It's kind of interesting. You look at Quidditch, and it almost feels like there's elements of rugby in it. 
like especially the stuff I with do the see bludgers. That. Yeah, the bludgers, just the role of the chasers being fast, kind of. It's kind of like a mix of like sports that are popular in the British Isles, like almost like a little bit of soccer, a little bit of rugby. Yeah. Maybe some hurling in there. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 You know, whacking stuff mm-hmm. with a stick. Uh, Actually, yeah. The beater's bats could be just hurling sticks. And that's like a really ancient sport. Yeah. So you'd say Goblet of Fire is maybe your favorite out of the first couple? Because you said that before this podcast, you're up to what? Chapter 18? I think so. In Order of the Phoenix? Yeah. I, I really like Goblet of Fire. Yeah. And then... You know, all the games, the dragons and stuff, the different schools that they compete with, and you get to learn about the different cultures and, and yeah, uh, Bobaton. And but I also kind of like Prisoner of Azkaban, too. I always thought, like, I'm thinking she kind of based it off of like Alcatraz here in America, and that's always kind of like a crazy, interesting. You know, prison in America where they made it, like, really hard to escape from. I still, to this day, if I try to say it too quickly, I might say Alcatraz or I might say Azkaban. You might have to get me on the one. I, that I mean, to me, that was, like, the obvious connection. Yeah, the no. names are similar. You know, they're both really hard to escape. They're both for high-profile prisoners. You know, like they put Al Capone there. The, the Azkab- Alcatraz, not Azkaban. <laughs> See, that's I what I do all mistake. the time. That's what I do uh, all the time. Yeah. But then also, I think one of the main reasons I like Prisoner of Azkaban be, is because I really like Sirius. He just seems like an awesome dude. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd love to, you know, have a drink with Sirius and just, you know, talk. Sirius seems like a party. Yeah, he seems <laughs> sure. like a cool guy. Yeah. But, all right. Well, thanks for coming on again. I'm so happy we were able to actually squeeze this in. Hope you had fun talking Harry Potter, and I hope you guys I, I had fun it listening. enjoyed a lot. So... We will be back next week with Chapter 16. It's going to be in the hog's head. There's a lot going on there. Mm-hmm. So go ahead, please leave a like, comment, repost, I think is now the terminology that that particular uh, website is using, that particular app. Leave a review on Spotify. Share the podcast. We really appreciate all those tuning in and listening. And if you're so inclined, there's a support the podcast uh, link wherever you're hearing this, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and you can leave a donation. It's a lot of time and effort that goes into making these, so any support is very welcome. And thanks for listening. Thank you to Marty for being on. Thank you for inviting me to be on. And we will see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Hogwarts, a podcast. If you like what you've heard, please click the subscribe button on your preferred podcasting app and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Hogwarts Apod.